Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. We're back after a uh, extended interlull international break. Um, we're now fully back and ready to discuss the failings of Arsenal Football Club. I am joined as ever by the glorious psychic psychic Josh Landy, resplendent in his Soho House uh, style office. Hello, Josh. I'm going to Soho House for a meeting next week, so oh, I'll be able to excellent. see how accurate yeah. or not your um, thoughts on my office looking like it is. Have you been there recently, Boyd? It's a place you hang out a lot, I, I imagine. I, I actually haven't been there for ages. I did, as I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I have invested in a vast amount of Soho House homeware because um, that was the, you had to spend all the stuff, all, all, all the kind of monthly payments that accrued during lockdown. They um, Basically, they kind of paid you back by forcing you to buy loads of their stuff cunningly. So um, I have done so. So my flat is full of Soho House stuff. You, uh, everyone who thinks I'm an elitist ponce will be pleased to know. Anyway, um, we're also joined by uh, the glorious Alan Alga. Hi, Alan. How you doing, Boyd? Good. How are you? Yes, very well, apart from last night. Yeah, I saw you um, tweeting a picture. You look very close to the pitch uh, last night. Yeah, I uh, went into the family enclosure because... Uh, my son is a, a Young Guns member and thought I'd give it a go because he got in there for a tenner last night, which is great. Considering our seats in the West Upper the last couple of seasons have been about £90 per game. So um, was it no. worth the money? <laughs> just about. Yeah, just about. <laughs> I have some admin issues I'd like to discuss, first of all, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the um, of the game itself. First of all... It took me, I don't know about you, are you using, are you, are you, were you there, Josh, by the way? I forgot to ask. Of course, of course. Um, I, I don't know about you, I'm using the um, electronic um, phone um, system to get in, right, to, to, to the matches these days. You know, so you can, you can you, we've all been sent this like credit card style season ticket thing, which is a horrendously soulless little bit of plastic. Um, 
and then they also sent you this electronic thing on your phone and it basically updates you put it in your on my in my on my iphone in my apple wallet thing and it updates kind of automatically before every game which is in theory really clever and so i used that and i for the first time yesterday i didn't bring my card with me at all like not did i just didn't have it with me you're not you're not supposed to need it you just use your phone but it took 10 minutes for me to get in to the game last night i was there in yeah, and there was pandemonium in the in the club level entrance that I went to. Hot, loads of people's um, phones weren't working on the on the thing to buzz you in. The poor people dealing with it were like just really stressed out and talking nonsense. Like so, I, I, first of the guy when I was trying to get in using my phone, the guy was going, "It's just not working." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, what do I do?" Then he goes, "Go and see that woman at the end there by the." by the gate she wouldn't let me in she was like trying to it wouldn't work on that one and it was just like going from pillar to post and eventually one guy said oh it's because of the wi-fi like you have need the wi-fi is not working properly at the stadium because there's basically sixty thousand people trying to use it and i was like really is that is it relying on the wi-fi anyway the system is fucked because it was really people people were missing the start of the game basically because that that it just doesn't work the electronic um thing just doesn't work properly so there was that eventually i got in um then there's still the fucking scoreboard. It's still got this bullshit. Can only show one team at a time, one team's lineup at a time. And you know, even then, there's God. Do you know how much that frustrated me? That it was our oh team my God. all the time. I mean, because if you're looking at numbers and things like that, and you haven't got a program in front of you, especially towards the start of a season, you want to see who yeah. the opposition are. You don't care. I mean, you you should know the Arsenal numbers. So. I mean, show both yeah. or show the away team more often than the, than the Arsenal team. Exactly. And, and you have to wait literally like five minutes to see what the opposition team is. So some player, like when, when that player hacked down Saka, we'll get to that unbelievable foul on Saka. And you're like, oh, who's that who committed that horrendous monstrosity of a foul? And you're like waiting five minutes for the team to change on the fucking scoreboard so you can work it out. It is terrible. Josh? Uh, do you think it's a ploy to try and get programme numbers bulked up maybe if you have to have oh, your maybe. program in front of you to look at the back page to see the numbers that would encourage more sales yeah uh, that's a good conspiracy theory, um, what, maybe one yeah. of the screens was broken and not working at all oh yeah right i yeah. heard that yeah so one yeah exactly one of the clock i think the clock end screens clock was end completely yeah broken. above the away yeah. bands here yeah absolute absolute shambles we yes, have gosh. an unusual situation in my seats because we're back row of lower tier. So I cannot see mm. the big screens because of the work okay. that was done in putting that extra row in club level a couple of summers ago. Yeah. So I, I yeah. have a screen just above me, though, like a small one. But it doesn't correlate with what's on the big screens. It doesn't always show the replays that are being shown on the big screen. So I'm still having to, like, arc my head down to try and see the oh. replay sometimes so that's also if yeah. we if we are filing an email anyway with the complaints yeah. you've raised so far can we please yeah. add that one in? Got, there's more there's more there's more to come the, the replays are completely random the replays are completely random before we get to alan's ones the replays so they'll show like and it's nothing to do with whether it's controversial or not it's just incompetence and randomness when they show a, a replayed incident that's bizarre then when i got to the actual well, half time in club level the it was packed it was bizarre weirdly more packed than usual in our bit and there's like one poor guy having to give out the free um uh, camden hell's bottles of uh, lager in the thing poor guy like surrounded by desperate furious you know club level um attendees waiting for their free pie in at half time it was just so busy and you, so you know you just couldn't get your free your free beer absolutely furious yes josh did, did you get one 
It would just sort of battle got one in the end about two minutes before. And then, of course, and people wonder why oh, famously everyone straggles back and, it's, you know, everyone wanders back into the ground too late and halftime's already kicked off. Well, the reason for that is because they're fucking waiting 20 minutes for the free beer. That is part of the whole deal that when you pay the exorbitant amount of money you're paying to be in club level. So it's just understaffed, people not knowing what they're doing. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is shambolic. Alan, you've got some uh, admin issues as well, have you? The first one on being understaffed, apparently lots of clubs are struggling to find catering staff at the moment. Oh, yeah, sure, right. That is an issue with London at the moment. Um, My admin issue is around the new PA announcer that we have. He was a little better last night, but he's definitely not up to being an announcer in a stadium of a big club like us. He, he he doesn't project his voice enough. I know this is absolutely minor compared no, I love, to I'm loving the this. problems I'm loving. on the pitch, but if we're doing admin issues, then he's he's definitely he's massively improved, but he's still not good enough when it comes to, you know, announcing things like the um the respect no room for racism. That should have been a proper statement that was read out. It sounded like a kid doing a project saying uh, oh, the signage around the stadium is no room for racism. This the two weeks Black History Month. You see, that should have been a proper statement read out. And we've got two of the best in the game, Nigel Mitchell and Paul Burrell, still at the club, and they've got them doing the side bits. Why they've got this guy, who honestly sounds like he's sixteen, <laughs> and it's great to give young people opportunities at our club. But surely you should have tested him out with smaller games, or maybe mm. you know over at Boreham Wood for the for the youth games or something like that before he tries a huge stadium like that because you, you just can't hear him which is again part of the experience rather than the the football fair that's delivered I wonder if he, is his name like kind of Billy Cronky or something I don't know with, with, you know this, uh, this didn't sound American so. I mean he oh, sounds okay. he sounds like a lovely guy I mean I don't I don't want to be in a position where you're criticizing a kid that's got his dream job but he should be a little better at it before we uh yeah into- yeah i know what you mean yeah um anyway on, on to the actual actually even before again another thing before the, the the arrival of patrick vieira um was was quite emotional wasn't it and um I mean, he got an incredible work. We were expecting him to get an incredible work because he's an absolute cast iron fucking legend of the club. But it was still great to see and hear. And he looked kind of quite, I don't know, if I, I thought he looked quite taken aback and he like acknowledged everyone. But it, it was pretty spectacular stuff, wasn't it, Alan, when it came to Vieira back? Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I, I said before the game, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say he is one of the top five most important players we've ever had at the club in terms of that transition from the old guard to the new guard under Wenger. And the fact, you know, it's probably one of the greatest things that Wenger ever did at the club is identifying Vieira before he actually got the job, which, you know, to, to have that link between the old and the new was just, he perfectly fit that role. And that's why he's a club legend. That's why he got that kind of reception. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was great, yeah. Do you watch it? But I watched it back on um, Sky, obviously, um, as I always do later. And um, he was, uh, yeah, you could tell how kind of um, how pleased he was to get that reception, Josh. Yeah, it, he was. He, he gave a sweet interview, didn't he, to Neville mm. Carragher and, and Dave Jones, and you know, admitted that he will always be an Arsenal fan. There will always be a huge connection with the club and you understand that. And it was amazing being even walking into the stadium and walking round to the gate that I go into. 
everyone was singing Vieira's song. It, it was, you know, really, really special. And his, you know, his, with my youth, he was, you know, that one player that when you went and you saw Vieira was playing that day, you just felt you had a chance. Didn't matter where we were, who we were playing against, home or away. Um, he was incredibly special. And I think there's a romanticism about him returning to the dugout. And you almost wonder if Arsenal's former players that are currently in managerial roles or, or touted as potential future managers, is he arguably the highest like thought of by, by the Arsenal fan base in terms of a future manager? Or do you think, do you think there's more demand for Thierry? I almost wonder if, if Vieira might no. be a more popular appointment coming. Surely Vieira. Oh, definitely Vieira. Definitely Vieira. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I, yeah. I think people also question whether Henri is manage, managerial material mm. in that yeah. league role. And I think his attitude sometimes is very much, you know, Glenn Hoddle always used to say, like, he'd be on the pitch with players and think, why can't you do what I do? I can imagine he would be more like that than an encouraging kind of mentor. Of yeah. a I was going to ask a question. Does anybody think that the Vieira song would have been incredibly loud at the final whistle from Arsenal fans if we'd have lost that 2-1? No, no. I genuinely think he'd have gone on the pitch to celebrate and walked over respect respectfully to the Palace fans to clap them. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think his song would have been sung off the pitch as an indicator to Arteta that oh, you, you've got someone waiting in the wings. Maybe from that point of view. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, from that point of view. Yeah, sorry, I, I kind of misunderstood what you meant. We we funnily enough, I went with Don Don Baldwin, who I was there with. Um, it was like after we scored that first goal fairly early on, we were like, you know, if we get another, then we can sing Patrick Vieira songs all night. So he was like, you know, it was more like, you know, if we had a comfortable win, then we would have been singing um, Vieira songs quite happily. But yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I think I think that is true. That that if we'd have lost the game, he still would have he still would have felt like certainly the, the fans would have felt like, you know, he's he's the guy waiting in the wings who we'd probably rather have. I mean, I have to say, if we're on that subject. I even think right now I'd rather have him as a manager than Arteta, I, I, you know, pretty much. I mean, you know, obviously he's only just started at Palace. Um, Josh is shaking his head. I'll give you my reasons for that, Josh, just quickly. I think he's clearly establishing very, very quickly a new style for Palace. Like he's got playing in a new way. And I know obviously that, that you know, the results haven't gone their way and they've had they've lost a lot of games late on like we like they did against us last night. But he just seems to have a kind of um, like a calm presence to him, and a very clear idea of what he wants the players to do and what how he wants them to set out. Set out, and um, and I'm not sure Arteta has such an equivalent clarity to him, shall we say? So, and I just think he's probably, you know, I think he, I think he probably would command more respect from the players possibly than Arteta. I mean, these are just reasons that are off the top of my head. But you were shaking your head, Josh, just about about that. I mean, I'm not saying sack Arteta now and get. I'm just saying, if we were given the dream, you know, if we were given, if you said to me right now, would you swap one, swap them? I think I probably would. I'm not sure we can argue for a swap right now. I mean, we still have to be a little bit cautious, right? Palace are looking better, but they have one win in in the Premier League and a and a below us, and we've not had you know particularly yeah, impressive it's Crystal Palace. start to season. Yeah, of course it's Crystal Palace, but we we need to you know. He, it, they have looked more impressive, but ultimately it's about results. And I'm sure by the end of the season, they will pick up more points. And Alan could no doubt tell us that statistically their performances should have been rewarded with, with more points than they've got so far, I assume. So 
you know, I, hopefully one day in the future, I'd love to see a successful Patrick Vieira come to Arsenal. But right now, after eight games of Premier League managerial experience, I don't think we can be calling for him to to come in. Um, and you've got to stick with Arteta a bit longer than, than than you have now. And I think it was really important. We'll come on to the game just to keep a bit of momentum in this unbeaten run. It, it felt like a big goal. And I we didn't deserve anything more than to get a point last night. But getting it felt great, actually. And, and the whole mood, I think, changes so significantly from just, just that one goal of keeping momentum and hopefully getting back on track Friday. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's all. I agree with all of that. I, I, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not actually advocating that we get rid of Arteta. Li, li, you know, in, in reality, right now, I'm breathing free. I'm just saying, in in a dream world, I think. But you know, what? but Alan, Josh is right. It was great to get that last goal, and that felt like you know, all the cliches. You know, almost felt like a win because it was so late in the day. But all round, ra- all round, after we scored the goal, and after about twenty minute periods, you know, in that first half, we were pretty mediocre, weren't we? And um, it has to be of concern, doesn't it? That still Arteta can't get a tune. We, we don't play... I don't. We've hardly ever played 90 minutes. You've made this point before yourself. We're, we're 90 minutes in, in any way controlling a game. And last night, we barely controlled it for about 20, 25 minutes. And that was about it. No, and, and people might say, well, what about the Tottenham game? But the, the second half, I'll remind you, we lost 1-0 in, in, in that particular game. And again, that wasn't a full 90-minute performance. That is obviously very, very hard to do. As a, as a team anyway. But I don't think under Arteta we've ever put two 45s back-to-back, which is a concern. The other concern about last night was that when we took the lead, we seemed to act like an underdog that had surprisingly taken the lead against a, a superior team and thought, oh, right, we're ahead now. That's almost unlikely. Should we then sit off a team? And... Arteta even said it himself in his in his post match. He said we were on the front foot for the first twenty minutes. We had them pretty much all at sea, and they did. But we did not capitalise on that or keep that pressure up. And as soon as they got control of the midfield, it did look like they were the team that were going to be scoring the next couple of goals. And that that's obviously what happened. And um, the, the celebrations at the end are fine, but um, you know when you're coming out of a, a a, a derby, a home derby against teams like Crystal Palace and, you know, out some, bizarrely, some of our fans are doing the who are you, who are you at them at the end of the game just because we've equalised and over-celebrating that. To me, the, the whole feeling at the club has changed from 10, 15 years ago. If that equaliser had gone in, you'd celebrate it, but the players would definitely be in kind of a... A sort of more conciliatory mood of, yeah, we got away with that, you know, let's on to the next one, rather than a mass celebration of gaining a point against, you know, what's going to be a mid-table club at home. And unfortunately, that's the way the club is going at the moment. And it doesn't look like at the moment that he is the right person to turn that slide around that that started seven, eight years ago, maybe longer than that. Mm. Good to go back right to the. I mean, I do with with. I think with the last when the goal is scored so late on, you know, nine, the ninety fifth minute, the almost almost the last kick of the game, 
And it was kind of pandemonium as well, wasn't it, in that penalty area? It was funny watching yeah. it, watching the analysis on Sky. They took about ten minutes to work out what the fuck was going on, was going on in that in that with that goal. Um, but I, I do excuse the level of celebration because it's so late on. You just, it's just like a, it, it feels. So I think to kind of temper yourself in that moment is, would almost be superhuman. Do you know what I mean? No, like, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean in the in the moment, of course. But right. then afterwards, our right. fans were singing at the, you know, oh I'm sure, in a good minute or so afterwards, yeah, it's okay, celebrated like right, a, right, it was an amazing thing, you know. Right. Oh, fair enough. Which, yeah. Which yeah. Um, going back to just to the to the to the team selection, and everything and the tactics. I mean, it was quite bold, wasn't it, Josh, of Arteta to pick this team. He basically played um, a kind of four-one-four-one with the five attackers: Pepe, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, Aubameyang, all lined up, and just kind of Thomas as the single, um, you know, holding vaguely defensive midfielder. And I guess it worked again for the first twenty minutes, and we scored early. But then I don't know, not so much. Yeah, definitely not so much after that sort of opening period of the game. I think um, when I saw the lineup, and I'm sure we're all in our WhatsApp groups and everything like that, that that did seem to be the the concern, really, a lack of Lukonga. I think Pepe had arguably had done enough to to get some game time or at least get a start after coming on at Brighton and doing fairly well. Um, but there was a huge chunk of that first half where we looked totally overrun and... Um, down at the the end of the pitch where Crystal Palace were attacking in the first half, which is where I sit. I mean, that is basically where the game took place from about 20 minutes to, to half time. It felt like wave after wave of attack. And there was an inevitability that if they had that much of the ball around our box, they would eventually find an opportunity and, and score. And so it proved within you know a matter of minutes after half time. Um, even with obviously the change of of bringing on Lukonga, so yeah, I, I don't think it, it it was quite right. Slightly sort of, um, it just didn't feel like it had the right balance, did it? Ultimately, when we got into into the half, and uh, dare I say it, you know, murmurs of where where's Jacker on a night like this to to give you that, that bit of presence in the midfield seemed to be a a fair comment. So I think you know, looking back. Could he have maybe even given Saka the the night off, or you know, chosen maybe one of Smith Rowe, Odegaard, and, and played Lukonga from the start? But I can understand why he wanted to give Pepe a game. Yeah, Alan, it was it was when it kind of felt like when they had the ball, Odegaard was dropping back kind of alongside um, Party, but and he doesn't look happy in that role to me at all. It just doesn't seem to be. He didn't look particularly happy all night. He didn't have a very good game. I didn't think Odegaard. No, um, I completely agree with that. And the, the problem the problem we've got is that, I mean, I doubt very much that Arteta is scrolling through Twitter and reading blogs and <laughs> listening to podcasts. I doubt that very much. But there has been an overall feeling that in our home games against sides outside of the huge teams that we're going to be underdogs against, that we should not play two holding midfielders and slightly defensive midfielders. Yet, he knows that his best policy has always been to have two holding midfielders. One of them covers the defence when we go forward and you push your full-backs forward. Now, when that was happening last night, Partey was just completely out of it. And but Crystal Palace sussed that so early on that you could win the ball in front of him and get, get around him. He had no space to turn. Uh, Edison Edouard cut inside from where he was meant to be playing on the wing and just pretty much was a physical presence next to Partey every time they played the ball through there. 
and I'd like to see the the duels between those two, but I, I wouldn't be exaggerating to say it must have been about 10-2 to, to Aguado every time it came into him. And that's actually where you'd expect Partey to be excelling, because that really should be his game. Um, that said, when he got forward a bit more, I think he did try to do stuff on the edge of the area, but it was so well organised in front of him. And and it almost was overloaded. Um, so, yeah, we can play attacking formations at home against poor sides, but then you're going to have to cope with that as well. You're going to have to cope with the fact that we aren't set up to do that. And I think, if anything, Arteta should at least stick to his principles and say he's going out his way if it, if it does lead to him going. Because having a poor performance where you've sort of abandoned your principles, you've got nothing else to rely on. But what do you think? My question is, what are his principles? Though? Are you saying his principles are the double pivot, if you like, uh, with but, uh, and that last night he was going against his principles? I, I do. I really do. I, I think that you've got a situation where he is feeling under pressure. I, I doubt that's come from... In, in, I, don't, I doubt that's come from internal. I don't think that's an internal thing. No. I think it's the fact that, you know, he gets the questions put to him about Henri saying, I don't know what their style of play is. And I thought he answered that impeccably when he got put that question in the in the, in the the pre-match because there's absolutely a no-win situation for him to be calling out Henri. But he's also got to be respectful of the fact that people have opinions on the game. And, and obviously Henri is, is, is paid to do that. So uh, I think that he answered that impeccably, but he probably still had it in his mind when he set the team up last night. And I think he's got to stick to that principle of uh, two holding midfielders, one covering the left back, getting the team forward. And, and if you feel that that's the best way to play, whether you're at home against a poor team or away against a, a big team, then stick to that and see if the players develop with it. Um, I, I mean, it was very hard to pick an, an outstanding player from our team last night, hence the fact that a guy that had been on the pitch for 10 minutes got man of the match, I believe, on, on Sky. Like that that, right? Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Well, it was a bit ambiguous, funny enough, you should mention that. They didn't really make it very clear, but I think you're right. I think he was, did end up being man of the match, yeah. Yeah, I and, did um, see the screenshot, but I didn't, I yeah, didn't hear it. yeah. I mean, I was pleased for him, but you're right. It does say a lot, doesn't it? That um, I mean, Laka came on and did this whole, you know, roused the crowd. And he did look like a man possessed, didn't he, Josh? Um, and uh, and it had an effect. I and mean, then he was great. But I don't know. It's like that was almost like a kind of cameo to, to, the, to the main point, which, which, which I'm going to talk to Alan about, which is that, uh, yeah, kind of picking that team. If, it feels like, I feel like he's got a lot in common with... Um, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Man United. Like, you know, I just feel like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer cannot make his world... I mean, they've got a much better squad than we have, obviously, but he yeah. cannot get those world-class attacking players in any kind of, you know, kind of coherent form and coherent structure. And I feel... And he's kind of constantly changing the way they play. And I feel pretty much the same about Arteta, that he that he, he needlessly changes it for what reason to almost, yeah, to respond to kind of criticism that he's going to get and that we should play more attractive attacking football. Josh? Well, well just on Lacazette, I mean, it is unbelievable really to think that he has still only played 72 minutes this season of Premier League football. I mean, that, that, it's just extraordinary for a, for a player of, of his quality to have not been given, um, you know, enough of, uh, of an opportunity. I mean, I think he had half an hour 
Um, so 30 minutes of those 72 were away at City when we were, I don't even know how many goals down already. So, you know, the actual opportunity to have an impact has been has been really limited. So huge to take his opportunity um, yesterday. But the way that I think Arteta is, is veering away from the idea of Aubameyang playing out on the left means that there's very little opportunity um, to give him a game. So I'm sure that we'll see um, Aubameyang um you know, starting again probably Friday night, but then of course we've got Leeds in the cup, and you assume that's another game for for Lacazette. But it can't be too long before he gives Lacazette a, a game in a game in the Premier League. You know, there, there is a lot of quality there. Um, in terms of fitting everyone in, it is, it is proving it is proving difficult because you you look at the back of the pitch now, and the goalkeeper in the back four are picking themselves. Thomas Partey is always going to play when he's fit. Um, Xhaka probably will when he's um, when he's back, and then and then you got to find a, another four, and you know the combinations are, um, you know, seemingly resulting in a fairly stable Abamyang, Saka, Smith Rowe, you know, and, and either it's going to be an Odegaard, a, a Pepe. Um, there just isn't that um, amount of change in our team that we've we've seen in in previous years. But I don't know, apart from last night, going back to it. You know, I'd have probably made one change to that starting lineup. It's not like I think it was a few years ago, where, uh, or certainly, yeah. you know, periods of Arteta's reign where there's been, you know, five or six of the names where you'd really query. It isn't really like that at the moment. But what do you think, Alan? Just in terms of, you know, I know you're always, in, you know, obviously across the betting side. Where do you think this squad is at the moment? Where are we rated in terms of how good a squad we are? Because I've seen that we actually are. We we crept up in like the betting for to finish top six and things like that. We did. Um, the un, the unusual thing about that is that 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 was more or less sort of results based rather than rating based because there are still some models that have us in the bottom half by by some way. Um, prior to the game yesterday, I think I saw one that had us about fifteenth, sixteenth best team and most of that most of that has been um, set aside against the creation of chances and actually scoring goals and it might be that that that's the thing that corrects itself uh, towards the end and we did actually even though we're bemoaning the performance we did actually uh, win on XG last night now that that's slightly I think you know a lot of people have, there are a lot of detractors from expected goals and the one caveat to say that is the game state is a big factor in expected goals because obviously Arsenal took the lead early and then were chasing the game at the end. So they had two different aspects to the game. They were leading and behind at the same time. So you do expect us to rack up the chances towards the end. And the unfortunate thing from a defensive point of view is that if you look at where Crystal Palace won the ball for both of their goals, and stopped it, to say we conceded from those situations, you knew there was going to have to be an error either defensively or from the keeper. And in the second goal, it was both, I think. Um, I, I don't think we can jump on their backs yet because I agree with Josh that they should be almost picking themselves as a, a defensive unit and a keeper. And if we're going to praise you know, the, the solid displays that they've had and the clean sheets that they've kept, I think you have to give them a little bit of leeway on things like last night. But um, I don't think any of them are the finished product. And I don't think you're going to see that for a year 
and it's whether or not you trust Arteta to be the one to bring them through this year and finish around. I mean, I still think we finished top half, but I think we're about oh an eight. Oh my god! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You just said I think I think we'll finish top half. That's a fairly uh, that's a I fairly damning. I well, look. I mean, the thing is, the situation now is that. You are you are looking at the team and saying some of the numbers churned out by them are, are bottom half numbers and it's so competitive in the middle. And and a point I always make and I, I know this will have a lot of people sighing, but it's it's well worth making this point. When people cite the Wenger years and always qualifying for the Champions League, even though he didn't for two years, but we forget about that bit. Um, the key thing to mention is that. He did this when those middle table sides were not as savvy. They were not as savvy. They were not as well coached. Everybody caught up. And now when you play Crystal Palace, they'll be extremely well coached. When you go away to Brighton, they will have a manager that knows football inside out and will plan to every single degree of the pitch. And if you don't match that, you'll come away with draws against those two. Brentford, incredible. Brentford have been brilliant. I was lucky enough to be at their game against Liverpool. I watched them beat um, West Ham when I was there for work. And they impressed me immensely. And they've got another coach and a backroom staff that look at every Mm. single aspect of the game. And if you can't match that work ethic in your coaching, then you're going to see the results on the pitch. Gary Neville, Gary Neville made made the point last night that he thinks this is the strongest Premier League for years, just in terms of, I wouldn't ev- disagree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, we all saw, we all saw Norwich, and we thought, dear me, you know, I wonder if they'll get another point all season. We all saw them, but apart from that, apart from that, and prop, I mean, Watford, Watford's figures are pretty poor, but it's that mid-table section that Wenger used to breeze through. You can't breeze through that anymore, and I doubt yeah. very much whether. You know, if 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 he'd have been around now, that he well, we know that these last two seasons at the club, you saw the decline coming, and the decline has continued. That's not his fault. It's good that we've it's good that we've gotten to Wenger so uh, so quickly in the podcast. Let me just Boy, say, uh, let, no, let, let's let's have a, such a key thing. It's, I agree. It's so related to where we are. Uh, of course. I totally agree, Josh. Before we go to a break, would you like would you like to come back at the Wenger mention before we have um, a break? Just. Just wondering if Alan's free to watch the Arsene Wenger film with me next month, if we can find a yeah. night to, to go We'd together, Alan. absolutely love to, and it looks amazing from the uh, trailer. looks amazing. Mm, it does, yeah. It's a great trailer, yeah. Really good trailer. Okay, looking um, forward to it. We'll go yeah. together. Is it on in the I'd cinemas, Boyd? Or is it... It is. On... No, it's going to be... I believe it's going to be in cinemas for about a week or so, and then um, then on, on home, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, and uh, streaming services i think is the plan yes great um i think i know Arsene Wenger is also going to be doing some uh, live events let's just say that um as well around the same time um so like an evening with etc um, wasn't there they... supposed to be one at the palladium a long time yeah. ago is that happening i guess it's, it might be a rescheduling of that yeah i think it is happening right i believe in, i think in, i had uh, a ticket November. for that i better look into oh that. fish it out fish it out yeah so there's gonna be a lot of Wenger stuff shall we say. Um, I right. mean, 
I don't know whether the the film um, is going to cover the fact that he's totally sold out and is trying to sell this fucking World Cup every two years thing. Probably not, I imagine. But yeah, we'll see. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll be back. Alan, I, I can see Alan champing, champing at the bit to discuss that. And we'll talk more about the game, etc. after this break. And we're back from the break. Alan, any feelings about Wenger's uh, World Cup every two years idea in general and in, in, in and his kind of current... Um... Look, he he has to represent his employer. He's always done that. And anyone that's sort of saying that he's changed tack in some way, he, he hasn't at all. He, he's always been like that. It's just that when he was a club manager, he was able to say the kind of things that fans agree with. And now he's working for FIFA. He's going to be saying the things fans don't agree with. So I completely defend him on that, apart from the fact that I wouldn't agree with the World Cup every two years. And I would say that around this film, it's not the time to be correcting people on, you know, what his bad points, because obviously this is about one of the most amazing achievements in the game. And I do always have to say, all I do with Wenger is try to redress the people that go over the top about him, not to rubbish him and say that I don't like him. So I'm going to love this film and I'm going to love being positive about him around the film and uh, going to enjoy it. I think this film is going to focus on some of the supposed negative times and fans turning on him. So I'm quite intrigued really? to... Yes, even in the trailer, they, they do show, I, don't they, Boyd? I, I don't know if you've that, seen the I thought it was about the 49 games. Is it about him... You know, is it a whole story about him? Oh, yeah, I think it's a whole story about him, yeah. I yeah. thought it was about the 49 games. Oh, well, you, I can see why, because it is called Invincible, isn't it? I think it's called Arsenal yeah. Invincible, which is, which is... But no, I think that's just the title. I think I think, I think, think it's a whole round... I mean, because they've been following him um, the last, as I believe, the last year, 18 months or so. So I think it will include a lot of kind of I've, what he's doing, been doing now and, 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 and the ending, his ending at the club. Yeah, there's definitely footage of that last day there in the film. I've got an awful, awful feeling that they're going to try and skirt over the decline. I mean, they shouldn't have put it in there at all if they're going to do that. It's a bit like the book, you know, if you don't want to talk about that, that's fine. But don't I mean, it can't be, it can't be like the book. book. I mean, the book it's was got to be balanced. Joke. Surely it's got to be yeah. balanced. I think, I think it might be more balance them who knows i mean we'll, we'll see but i i i, I agree with Josh. i think it, it's definitely going to co- it has to cover i think i think it will cover it in some way and you know he always he's often you know when he did when he did the book round kind of publicity tour he was always asked about you know the decline in quotes and you know his and he kind of batted it away in various ways didn't he but um so i think i'm hoping i'm hoping that it will cover all that it's going to be a fascinating time we should do a special um film podcast maybe josh to uh, dissect what we think of it when it comes round. Um, if only we, we had a sort of TV critic uh, <laughs> who, who we could call upon to, uh, I, to talk about it with. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I Don't worry, I will be. I've already asked whether there's going to be a premiere. It hasn't been announced yet. I think there will be a premiere. And, um, are we getting invited, Boyd? Can we well, claim I, that we I are I'm enough gonna, of a... I mean, surely we should be, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll be on it, don't worry. I yeah. saw uh, our good friend Sophia got in very quick with her. Yes. Can you take me along, Boyd? So, yes. Uh, and I genuinely, I've well, I'm invited, yeah. i for her. <laughs> Thanks. Well done, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's well, going to be, I'm yeah. wondering if it will be one of them where they try and get a lot of his former players to, to come along and oh, be yeah. part of the evening. I'm sure it will. So, uh, Big time. Yeah. Big time. A nice, um, I uh, nice, yeah. nice thing to look look forward to. Yeah, we haven't finished talking about the game. We have to talk about the um, the foul on um, Saka, 
MacArthur. I mean, I mean, that was just it was just bizarre, wasn't it? It was like volleying his leg, the back of his leg, um, and right in front of the referee. You know, yellow card, no VAR, VAR, just like dismissed it very quickly. The whole thing was fucking weird, wasn't it, Alan? I, I think it's so strange because, um, as you mentioned earlier, I was sitting quite low down. So I didn't really have a good aspect of where the ball might have been going and where the player's leg was trying to kick the ball. So from our end, it looked like Dean had got it right, or at least he judged something to be seen that he's gone for it. After seeing it again, it's frankly laughable that that is an attempt to play the ball it's not going to bounce anywhere near where he lashes out and you sort of see his reaction afterwards as well um there was an incident in the Everton West Ham game where uh Rondon uh frankly studs against Suchek's face now the bizarre thing with this VAR is that because they've been told to play more advantages keep the game moving like they did in the Euros it sort of seems to be that that's been misinterpreted as just keep playing on. Just keep playing on. And that's frankly ridiculous. Um, I mean, Dean played two good advantages last night. I thought he was even going to celebrate with the team because just after we... <laughs> I, know, I, I genuinely thought he was going to celebrate with the team because just after we scored our first goal, we broke away again. He played two advantages in the same passage of play. And then we just missed to the, to the left of the goal. And I genuinely thought it was going to be one of his, you know, look how good a referee I am. Yeah. Um, but then, but then he loves an advantage, doesn't he? He loves playing the oh, yeah. advantage, even when there's vaguely there was another incident where we, there was a vague advantage to be had, and he played it, and he was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't even take it back. Play back on that one. Yeah, take it back for the free kick. But again, you know, I'm far from an Arteta apologist, but he could stack up a fair set of highlights of bizarre decisions that have gone against us. When when VAR wasn't a soft touch, we were having defenders penalised. Now VAR is a soft touch. We're not getting fouls and penalties and, and, and you know, red cards for the other team. It's just like we, we, we experienced the worst of how VAR was interpreted before, and now we're experiencing the worst of how it's interpreted now. So I, I give him that excuse, definitely. Mm. It was bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, it was like... I, I, the whole, the, the, you're right, the whole VAR thing is... They've they've just decided that now it has to be now it's almost impossible to change the referee's decision, um, whatever the fuck happens. I mean, but this is the whole. What is the fuck? What is that? I mean, what is VAR there for if it's not going to look at that incident? They've, they've actually. See? Sorry, they've just actually appointed. Um, I work very closely with West Ham, obviously, and their communications guy. But they've they've just poached him to become the, the spokesperson for VAR, really? um, which. I'm not sure what it will entail. I doubt whether it's defending every decision weekly, but I, I think it's the communication of how it's actually played out by the, the officials that you can't see, I guess. Should be interesting to see how they communicate that. Yeah. Josh? Yeah, in the stadium last night, my, my initial reaction was, uh, you know, I didn't quite appreciate the uh, gravity of, of how bad MacArthur's challenge was. But when you watch it, there, there is no argument that he doesn't see Saka. It's impossible. Um, and he ends up, um, you know, taking out the leg, you know, his standing leg when the ball is a metre off the ground. Like, it, it's so late. I, I, I think it, it is a red card and it's disappointing that it didn't get one. Um, we should probably just touch upon, though, our, both our central midfielders in that second half getting so easily 
dispossessed. I mean, we, we were, you know, makers of our own downfall. It was, yeah. you know, very disappointing. I think had Jacka arguably done what either of them did, there would have been a, uh, I don't know, a certain noise around the stadium of, of more discontent than there, there perhaps was. It was poor errors from both of them, Party and Lukonga. Yeah, I agree. Party is, I mean, Lukonga's young and he's a new signing and, you know, was brought on at half time. I think that, I think there are mitigating circumstances about him. Um, but parties, I don't know. I have, I have issues with him. I think, I think we all kind of, well, not we all, I think a lot of Arsenal fans want him to be the kind of, I mean, he is the, the first pick in midfield and, but want him to be able to kind of control everything and do almost like there's a kind of fantasy idea of what Thomas party is. You know what I mean? I think the reality, I often feel this with him that, Actually, he is quite easy to get the ball off if they really, if if the opposition put their mind to it. And he does, he does. I agree. He's dispossessed a lot, isn't he, for someone in that position? I totally agree. As I was saying earlier, uh, they they worked out pretty quickly what you had to do with him, and and had plenty of success getting him under pressure. The fact he hasn't got or didn't have a partner for um, the first half probably made that a little bit easier. But you're not going to rely on, as you say, a very young player like Lukonga to come on, grab the pace of the game and the fact that Palace were being so physical in there. Um, I mean, that's not going to solve the issue at all. And and people have... people. I mean, fans do elevate our players. We have a lot of mediocre players, and I've said it time and time again on here, You can make a highlights reel to make most of our players look world beaters. You can make a highlights reel to make most of our players, the very same players, look awful. And the truth is always somewhere in between, apart from hopefully, you know, the superstars, Saka and Smith Rowe. Um, I I think Saka needs a break to link those two points. He needs a break anyway. Whether this enforces a break with an injury, that's not ideal. But he struggled this season and he's got immense credit in the bank and I think I don't I mean I don't think our fans are stupid enough that they'll attack him for that and start to say that he's playing poorly he's just not performing to the level that we know he can and he definitely needs a break and maybe this this situation is going to cause that I don't know have they said anything about his injury Josh? I don't think we've got anything too uh, too decisive yet in terms of uh, a clarification on that um, at the moment. So I think we'll, we'll probably wait to um, wait wait to hear. I mean, you hope it's. Um, I mean, there's it's, it's, it's nothing broken in that kind of injury, is it? It's impact. So you, you kind of hope um, that it's um, that it's not going to be uh, you know too bad. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not an expert, but you'd hope that even Friday is a is a possibility. But whether then. You know your your thoughts there on him getting a break coming to play. I, I wouldn't be uh, too surprised. I think Arteta's comments were something along the lines of "it's very sore," so yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know um, any more than that. Um, I, I don't know. It was um, it was frustrating. I mean, what, did you just to wrap up maybe about the game yesterday? What did you make of? I mean, particularly Ben White dropping off when. Uh, for that second goal, he sort of dropped and dropped, and it sort of made it a bit easier for Edward than than maybe uh, than maybe he should have. But I don't know if I'm being too critical. I don't know what you thought, Boyd. You've had a chance oh, no. to watch it back. Oh yeah, he definitely did. Yeah, and, and, and as Alan referred to as well, he you know kind of got in the way. Ramsdale couldn't really see you know what was going on seemingly because he because of the way he was dropping off. So it was a, it was a kind of 
it was a combination of errors, wasn't it? And, and uh, I, I think he's again Ben White is another one. Benjamin White, as we now have to call him, of course. Um, you know, I mean, very early days, but I still think there are issues of the fact that he's in the middle of this four four two, and he's you know he's used to playing three at the back with Brighton and. Um, I don't know. I think he's great and everything, but and and he had some. And you know, him ending up in the penalty box for that for the for our winning goal was key. And he getting him getting hold of the ball there, and you know, he had some he had some actually really good attacking moments in the game when we needed some kind of thrust and energy. He's very energetic, but I'm not convinced 100 percent that he's like a god of of uh, defensiveness, defensive qualities. Well, um, the, the argument is what what is he in 18 months, two years time? Because that's why I yeah, think right, he's, sure. he's important. And yeah. you know, the opportunity is there. Look, we have undoubtedly looked more solid having a oh, yeah. centre-back I mean, pairing. Yesterday was unfortunately, you know, a, a, not a good night really um, in terms of uh, but I think to show that solidity. Yeah. But I feel more... Assured now with at least having a of course four that we can uh, get behind. I saw Tommy Yasu was our player of the month for September. Did you? Did you? Spot yeah, that? I saw that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, interesting. He uh, <laughs> he he then dropped a shocker on the first day of October, but we'll, uh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he absolutely did. Yeah, he really, he really did. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was classic. Did you, a couple of things I wanted to mention that Aubameyang, right? Um, in the first half, Sky were like like just like singing his praises about his his pressing and his. Um, running and I guess he did have he was he did seem very energetic to start with I mean he scored the goal really you know really good finish um but then he did tail off didn't he in the second half I thought notably um and it's like I feel like with our players part of the problem with just going back to the whole thing of the whole setup and you know playing all the, the five attacking players and not having the double pivot I, I I just think like he keeps Arteta keeps imagining that our players from top to bottom, our Man City level, who can play this kind of unbelievably intense, um, pressing and um, disciplined and yet, you know, kind of um, creative. I just don't, I just don't think any of them, I just don't think we have barely, even our best young players, even the Smith Rose and the Zuckers, they don't have that level of intensity that the City players have. And I just think he's got to forget about that a little bit to go back to the bigger picture and just yeah. deal with what he's got. It's quite, I mean, I, I had two points on that. But first off, talking about Aubameyang's pressing, um, I couldn't believe how quick he was from the kickoff. Yeah. He actually nearly catches a centre-back with the ball, which is hugely unlikely because of the way that kickoffs happen. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know how quickly he covered that first 25 yards to, to uh, the first two seconds of the game because he was on their centre-back immediately. And I did think, oh wow, you know, he's he's up for it today. And obviously he scored pretty quick after that. And but you're right, it did tail off after that. And if you're talking about Arteta's instruction and his confusion about the quality of our players, um someone someone I know very well who used to play football at a reasonably high level was at the game last night with his son and was sitting behind the dugout. And I just so happened to catch him on the way out. And we were talking as we were walking down to Finsbury Park. And he said, uh, that's the first game he'd been at the Emirates for a long while. Um, He'd taken his son there and he was sitting behind the dugout. And he said, I was watching Arteta today. And he said, um, he just is constantly talking to the players. But I don't think they're understanding what he's saying because he seems to just be talking constantly and he said there was a situation last night where he was doing this to Pepe he was actually uh, 
I'm making a gesture on the video here, but obviously mm. for audio purposes, uh, it was sort of almost a come here, come here. And he said, and, and my friend said to me, he said, uh, Pepe looked at him and shook his head. So I don't know what was going on there, but the micromanagement of players is something that I've talked about many, many times. And if he's trying to be Pep Guardiola with the Man City team, then he needs to redress that balance very quickly. It was interesting, the contrast between him and Vieira, because Vieira was very calm, I thought, and, you know, and Gem just kind of standing there watching his team carry out, he's clearly carrying out his tactics very well um, and was not <laughs> in sharp contrast to, to Arteta. There um, is a happy it, medium there. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, to be fair, you know, we sometimes said that Wenger didn't react quick enough or get up and do stuff. But I think whenever he did, it was obviously something important that he had to go and say and the players would listen. Whereas um, I think Emery might have been a few translation issues because sometimes he would sit down for the whole of a second half when we looked like we were well under the cosh and there was nothing coming from the bench. Um, but Arteta, he is micromanaging every little second of play. And, you know, from, a, from an outsider looking in last night that knows a little bit about football, watching him saying, I really don't think the players were responding to him and, 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 and having a clue what to do. Did you see the Ben White and uh, Gabriel sort of little row? Just a yeah. tiny, tiny yeah. little yeah. row between those two over how they position themselves when they're given an angle. Little things like that. You know, you just wonder about the instruction that's been given and whether players are sticking to it or going with their own thing on the field. I thought Lacazette, in contrast to that, gave a sort of vote of confidence almost to Arteta in his post-match interview in terms of sort of, you know, carrying out managers' instructions. and What, get on and, there and score a goal? <laughs> well, in showing, I think he showed a lot of humility as well of sort of talking about having to fight to get an opportunity uh, to to play in this team and, you know, then backing the manager. I, I thought almost like unnecessarily he he sort of um, was, was very positive about um, Arteta. So, look, there's so many new players in this side, aren't there? You know, they're, they're kind of, a lot of them are, you know, Arteta's men now. So, you know, you'd expect them to, you know, to have that level of loyalty maybe to the to the man who who brought them in. I mean, you know, for those for those that weren't. Um, I get that. I get, I get the loyalty aspects and I get the fact that most will be respectful of the fact they've got a manager because they're young players and... You know, if, you, if you're disrespecting your manager at a young age, regardless of whether you agree with him or not, then you, you're probably setting yourself up for a fault. But it just might be that the instructions aren't either being understood or felt by the players to be helping much. And I think it's... I, I do think it's just, I think it's inherently distracting, isn't it? I, I just think, you know, if you're... If you, you, you've been given, you know, the manager's given you your instructions at the start of the game... And um, and sure, if there's a big tactical issue to address, you know, then then you need to address it, and Artisan needs to communicate that. But you're right; it's di- what he does is different, and it is uh, it's it's pretty unique. It's pr- I mean, pretty unique isn't it? Is is a, is a stupid phrase inherently? It's I I feel it's unique. I don't see, you know, any pr- any other manager as micromanaging the the game as he does, you know, and I don't remember. You know any of the managerial greats doing that either? You know, I see Thomas Tuchel, like for example, he does it from time to time, but then he'll sit down, 
and you know watch the game for quite extended periods. Arteta is, you know, as you said, it is it is the level, and I just feel like it must be distracting for the players if you're having to think about you're not because they don't they're not so. As soon as this game starts, they have to implement whatever the tactical plan is, right? And if then throughout that system, they also have to be monitoring their coach and manager on the touchline, who is constantly gesticulating to them and telling, and giving them instructions, and literally telling them where to go. That is like a, like a double thing to have to deal with. Yeah. And I don't. And we, the Palace players didn't have that to deal with. And I just felt they right. they looked more comfortable, even you know, taking into account everything you said about the XG and everything. But in terms of like. You know the running of the game. I, they, they. I thought they had more impact on it than we did, and they did we, have a we, manage- we, we noticed it when the stadiums were empty because you could actually hear yeah. him as well as see him doing it. Yeah. And a lot of the time he was getting praised for doing it in different languages. And then towards the end, I think a few of the journo's, because obviously they're in an empty stadium, were starting to say, like we were. I think he's just overdoing it with the the constant constant instru- in, instructions, and um, there has to be a point where you trust your players to implement whatever you've done on the training pitch, and um, barring, yeah. as you say, big tactical decisions. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I guess we should uh, turn our attention to, uh, to to the Villa game on Friday. It's quite weird this situation, by the way, isn't it? Having having these two games, yes, no Europe, days. no Europe, and uh, and being obviously a big draw as a club. So I think Sky have just taken the advantage to say you're playing Monday and Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at, I was watching, I was watching it last night and I, at one point Jamie Carragher was like, oh, we're, we're going to be watching them again on Friday. It was, like, it was like, why, why are we watching Arsenal again? Why do we have to go through this thing again? It'll be interesting. I feel right. I said this after the Spurs game that, you know, that his next team selection was going to be very, you know, he had to stick to, you know, if we played that well, uh, and at that point, Spurs were, were being a, ship, a bit shit. But if we played that one, you should really stick to those tactics and um, carry on with a similar team. And then, of course, Xhaka got injured, etc. But I now feel like he, there's a really clear preference to play. Like, he's got to play the double. He's got to play the Congeran party together, hasn't he, against Villa, I feel. And 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 somewhere, maybe, you know, Zucker, maybe Zucker will be injured, but one of that front five has to be dropped. Um you know, and Zucker maybe give Zucker a rest. So maybe it's like Pepe, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, and Aubameyang, or whatever. I just feel like that has he has to. He can't try and do again what he did last night. I don't feel. I just feel you know he ha- he has to get, go back to the kind of double pivot at the very least, don't you? I think I think he will. Um, I think you know Pepe. He had a game last night where you have to give him credit for being involved in in both of the goals, but. In reality, he had lots of situations that suited his game a lot more. Um, he got released down the, the, the right wing a couple of times. It was just him against the defender, beating the defender for speed, getting to the ball first. And you think, come on, you know, that is your ideal situation. And, and he didn't deliver a couple of times when that occurred. Um, and you, you just do wonder about him being able to deliver consistently, although... You look at the assists and goals going back the last 18 months, he's right at the top. So he's so hard to judge, so, so hard to judge. We have the ongoing debate of whether it's technique or or my favorite implementation. So we won't yeah. go into that. No. The one thing to say about Villa is they thought that they were having, you know, almost a repeat season where they were going to be up there challenging. They beat Everton. 3-0, I think it was, and Everton were obviously, you know, going well at the time. 
They then went to Old Trafford and won 1-0. But since then, they've lost to Tottenham and they lost the local derby at the weekend with the last kick of the game. Now, I don't think they're the type of team to not respond to that. I think they have a good sort of ethic there. So I think we're going to be in for a very, very tough game. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite, yeah, it's quite scary in a way, isn't it? Josh, what's your feeling about the, this game? Well, well, the hope had been, of course, that we were going to win last night. That would have been on thirteen points and uh, going into Friday night with a chance to to get into the top four, which uh, would would have been uh, achievable um, had we won last night. Um, meanwhile, yeah, I, I think we're in for a you know a, a very tough game. Villa have been unpredictable uh, this season. They really threw it away on Saturday because they absolutely killed Wolves for the first sort of seventy. Um, minutes of that game and then they made a couple of substitutions and it, and it all went wrong. Um, with Arsenal, well, there can't be that many changes with our, our starting lineup. The You know, you, you could kind of pick nine or ten of them, couldn't you? So, um, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what we're looking at in uh, all likelihood, I think we are looking at Lukonga um, and Partey. I do think Saka will, will get a rest. Is there an argument that he finds a way to to give, you know, Martinelli a game instead of um, Pepe, or finds a way to to include Lacazette from the start? I, I think possibly. Um, that, but um, what yeah. really you, you think he, he might play Lacazette instead of Aubameyang, or both? Not of them? instead. I, I old, are really going back to the going back I, to the I, I, not just, so glory days of of. Uh, I'm just wondering. No, I He hasn't shown that he wants to do it, but. You know, has Lacazette done enough to try and force his way into a starting lineup? Maybe. So I, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. But who I, do you I think, think he should? Opportunity there. Do you think he should? No, I probably no. think he, right, no. he probably yeah. shouldn't. But um, I wouldn't yeah. be hugely surprised if he did. But I, I'll go for a narrow two-one win for the Arsenal. He'll. I think he'll go the populist route and actually start Lacazette because of the goal. Yeah, wow. I think. I think he. I think he still will be in a position where he thinks. Rewarding players for doing good things sends a good message to the squad, uh, albeit coming off the bench. So I think he'll start him for this one and, and slightly rejig behind the scenes. Um, I, I, you know, Saka probably going to be missing out based on that. Um, I mean, we, if we win 9 0, we can go 8. <laughs> uh, but it looks as though. Only for will, a day. Only looks, for a day. I know. It looks as if a win will take us. Well, it will take us ninth. Um, but it's it's certainly better than the, the start of the season with three straight defeats. I am of the opinion that we might be in for another 2-2. Yeah, interesting, yeah. Yeah, I like a 2-2 prediction. Um, I'm going to go uh, for a draw. I'm going to go one all. I'll go one all then. Um, I think it's going to be quite stressful. Thank you to uh, Alan, as ever, and to Pleasure. Josh. And what was that stat again? How many goals do you have to score to go to go? Nine, uh, nine, nine takes us eight. <laughs> nine. There's the title of the podcast, Josh. If we score nine, we go eighth. If we score nine, we go eighth. Let's never. Let's always remember. No, no, that. no. If we score nine without oh. reply, we go eighth. All oh, right, we've got to score nine without reply. Yeah. Okay. I think if we score ten, we can uh, potentially <laughs> leap West Ham in seventh. And if we were to score. <laughs> Um, if we'd score 11, then I think even we can uh, topple Man United in six. So uh, take your pick, really, of the uh, <laughs> unlikely score lines. Okay. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. And we'll be back uh, next week. See you later. Bye.
If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.